We are recording. Take five. Studio, are you ready? Studio, we're ready. (laughs) Welcome to Hound Headlines for the week of February 21st, 2023. I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. And I'm Claire Matzel in London, England, today on the podcast. Scientists are trying to make dogs live forever in the hopes that they can help people do that as well. And the dog who loves to watch morning TV and got the thrill of their week when they were able to watch themselves on morning TV. And now that weed is legal in New York City, dogs are getting stoned. We'll tell you about that and more on today's Hound Headlines. I love the way that you made it sound like the dogs are voluntarily going out and getting stoned. We will find a little bit more out about that in a moment. This episode of Hound Headlines is brought to you in association with our sponsors, Everpub. We are going to go around the world. We're going to start first in London, England. Now, this is an incredible story, which on the surface seems like humans doing an amazing thing for our best friends, but it's not entirely all about the dogs. So this is a story which I picked up in The Telegraph. They have pulled together a lot of resources about companies, organizations, uh, scientists who are researching how to make dogs live longer. Now, this sounds great, doesn't it? Because Who wouldn't want their dog to live longer? Because some dogs, you know, like the Great Dane, only lives eight to 10 years, which is really sad. So they're pulling all their resources, working out how they can slow down the aging process for dogs. And they're doing it in lots of different ways. Some of them are using retired sled dogs to uh, research on. Some are um, looking at doing an implant for larger dogs with a pill for smaller dogs. And there's also a huge project called America's Dog Aging Project, which is involving 45 thousand citizen scientists. So that's people who are, you know, like citizen journalists, who are people who are involved in the project, and 30 scientists and 60 staff across 12 different institutions. And of course, as you may have detected, the end goal with all of this is not just to make dogs live longer, but to make humans live longer as well. Would you like to live longer, Jim? I'd like to live as long as I can, so long as I am healthy. I think that's, of course, you know, pretty common desire that dog lovers have. They want their dogs to live as long as possible, so long as they live a long and healthy life. Well, apparently, once you get over, if you get there, the age of 105, then pretty much you're just steady. You're just just cruising from 105. You don't get up one morning and think, whoa, 106 is so much older than 105. It's pretty steady, the aging from that onwards. Okay. So that's the benchmark. Yeah. We yeah. Just if you can get to 105. We're sailing until 600. Is that right? <laughs> well, funny you should mention the 600 thing because I did hear this fascinating research years ago, which is, I, I tried to look it up again, but it was in my head, but I can't find the, the original source. Somebody had looked into, you know, how long could humans live in theory? If we use all this science and we work out how to stop the aging process, et cetera. And of course, if you go back, you know, 50 years ago, people were talking about humans living to 120. Now we know that the oldest person has lived to 122. So already we're surpassing that. So how far can we push it? And they worked out that the problem is 
you can do everything you want to do with the science and all the clever stuff, but eventually something's going to get you. And you're like, you know, a crocodile's going to leap out of a river and snap you up, or a boulder's <laughs> going to fall off a cliff and hit you over the head. Lightning is going to strike. Okay. Any number of like crazy things will happen if you're on the planet for an extended period of time. And they reckon 600 is about the point that, you know, science just can't do anymore. It's inevitable. Okay. So, but basically that you're in the sweet spot between 105 yeah. and 600. And so this dog aging project, the largest of all these different ones, some done by governments, some done by universities, some done by private companies is done here in the United States. It's called the dog aging project. But there are a lot of these, all with a desire of getting dogs to live longer so that we can live longer. Now, talking of extending your dog's life and making their health better, off to Finland now, where they have been doing some research into how not so much that you can make your dogs live longer, but that you can make them healthier. And that's all to do with diet. And this is like a pet topic of yours, Jim, isn't it? Because you're not a big fan of feeding them kibble and the processed dog food, which I confess we sort of mostly do with our dogs. So tell us a little bit about it. I like home cooking or at least a combination of home cooking and kibble or processed dog food. There's a really interesting study that was documented in Nature. We will have links to all of the stories in today's show notes that talked about the microbiome, we hear a lot about the human microbiome. Well, of course, our dog mm -hmm. microbiome, and you want to do things like prebiotics and probiotics and stuff like that. Because if you don't have a healthy microbiome, you're more likely to have issues later on in life. Well, it turns out, according to this research, that if puppies were fed just a little bit of human scraps and good stuff like, you know, vegetables and the types of things that, that we know we should be eating, if they are introduced to a puppy's diet early in life, the likelihood, according to this research, of them getting some severe GI upset later on is greatly reduced. Conversely, if they're only fed kibble from an early age, mm. the likelihood increases that they are going to have some GI issues later in life. So if you want to feed your microbiome, you should start early with your puppy and, and probably with yourself. Just, you know, vegetables. That helps. Because there's also all this, there's a lot of thought that like the gut is like a second brain, isn't it? I have a gut feeling about this. I think you're right. Yeah, I think it really is about, there mm. is definitely some connection between the gut and the brain and, and all of that and things like gut feeling, I think, come from that. So it's really interesting. The whole concept of the microbiome is just, just really now getting mm. studied. And there's a lot to study about it. But this research that talks about vegetables and also raw bones and, you know, just some of these things that we just know are good that you've heard about on other shows on Dog Podcast Network and you can read in many places is just a good thing, not necessarily 100% of the diet, but do it early on, and then you may be able to prevent some pretty serious GI issues from occurring later in the puppy's life. And I would just like to add a little caveat to this, which is, you know, when we talk about feeding them human scraps, you know, Jim is very clear, it has to be the good stuff. And if you're like me and you take your children out for lunch and you start off giving the dog a little bit of sausage, which is absolutely fine, and then it progresses to maybe feeding them a couple of French fries, the downside to that is that I then ended up with the dog in her favourite spot, which is directly under this desk that I'm sitting at this afternoon and she was 
farting. There's no two ways about it. And it was, and anyone who came into my office, I was going to say, it's not me. It's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, no, but it really was the dog. So French fries were not going down brilliantly with her today. So yeah, steer clear of the junk food, whether it's dog junk food or human junk food. Just generally, it's good to avoid. Let's move away from Europe and move over to Singapore. Yeah, this is a story which really I empathise with because I have moved my dog, sir, around the world in different ways. And it is something I always feel quite anxious about. Uh, Maple came with us in August from Canada to the UK. And fortunately, as far as I'm aware, at least, it all went very, very smoothly. There's a guy who recently did a job move with his family from Shanghai to Singapore. He took not just his human family, but his canine family, his dog. And the company he was moving to work for organized, obviously, all his removals, including the moving of his dog. So they contracted out to a company to move the dog. And when he got to Singapore, the dog wasn't there. And it actually was missing for 10 days. Nobody's been able to explain where it was for 10 days. It came back. It's quite traumatized. It's underweight. It had some superficial injuries. The guy, Gordon, spoke out about it on LinkedIn because obviously it's a big issue, you know, if you're moving. And he was hoping that somebody would be held to account. And actually the result of all of this, and we don't obviously know the ins and outs, but is that he has now parted ways with the company he was moving to Singapore for the job for. Not just for the job. He was the CEO of this company that was going to run in Singapore. Yeah, exactly. So that's a big sacrifice he has made by speaking out about his dog. But I, you know, all power to him because that's a horrific experience. And I'm sure, you know, it's, if you want to look at it on the positive side of this, it's definitely raised his profile. So I'm sure he'll be snapped up by somebody and, you know. By some dog-loving company. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, dog flu. Dog flu, it's not the same as human flu, is it? But it's still something you need to watch out for. It's not. It's a story we're going to whisk over to the United States and some states in the Midwest and East Pennsylvania, North Texas and Minneapolis, there are reports, according to the Center for Disease Control, that dogs are getting influenza. And mm. the CDC is suggesting that in certain regions, you may want to talk to your veterinarian about getting a canine influenza vaccine. What are the symptoms for it, Jim? They include cough, runny nose, fever, and reduced appetite, according to the CDC. And most dogs usually recover from influenza in about two or three weeks. But in some severe cases, dogs can develop a secondary bacterial infection like pneumonia. And of course, that's not good. So it's just like human flu. You know, you can save yourself the unpleasantness of being ill and passing it on to other people. Or if you are a dog who's sort of, you know, older or at risk or whatever, you get the vaccine in order to prevent any you know, higher risk of it developing into anything else. Yeah, and people don't get it from dogs. Dogs don't get it from people. But if you're in one of those areas that is affected, you probably should talk to your vet and consider it. Now off to Canada for a story. And I love this. This is about Bindi. Now, Bindi is a dog in Ontario and has a very precise routine in the mornings of sitting on a dog bed looking at the TV and watching, I mean, like properly watching morning TV from the moment it's turned on at six in the morning and really 
you know, it's clearly an intelligent dog really digesting what is on the TV. And actually, <laughs> I have to say the thing that really troubled me about this story, Jim, is I, I don't know where you stand on this debate, but the TV is above the fireplace. You know, a lot of people put TVs above the fireplace. Yeah. It's too high up. It's definitely too high up. And if you use the fireplace, it's pretty warm behind it. Yeah. And this dog, it's going to get a crick in its neck, you know, already oh, yeah. human. <laughs> so I was very troubled by this. Anyway, sorry, slight digression about where the TV is located because it did annoy me when I watched the clip. The human films the dog watching the TV and obviously it went viral. The TV show that the dog loves to watch saw it. And then there is this brilliant second social media video of the dog watching itself on the TV because they obviously played the first video on the TV and the dog is watching itself and looking back at the human in a kind of, that's me in this room on the, t uh, what? Uh, uh. So yeah, very smart dog, but it's well worth watching and we will share the links in our social media. We will. And then for our final story, we head a little south from there to New York City, where dogs are getting stoned. And as you pointed out, they're not getting stoned voluntarily. <laughs> they are finding marijuana remnants on the streets and eating it because, of course, in New York now, marijuana is legal. You did make it sound a little bit like, you know, like this is this is proper end of the world stuff when dogs are like, I can't cope anymore. I, I'm going <laughs> to have wanna... to treat myself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just have to chill out, man. I just like, I can't cope with the humans. Uh, no, so it's quite concerning. This happened to a friend of mine in Ottawa to, to a friend called Heather. She has a little dog called Lucy. We have been looking after it a few hours after we returned the dog to her. She sent me a message saying, was Lucy okay when she was with you? And you start to panic, don't you? The responsibility of looking after someone's dog. Wow. Mm. And what had happened, she rushed her off to the vet and Lucy had picked up, as we say, picked up one of these ends of a... Um, a bud? Dogs are getting the leftovers, the things that people threw out, clearly not creme de la creme, no. but enough to get them stoned. And, the, and then they start walking around. They're a bit wobbly, a bit dizzy, a bit, you know, sometimes they can be nauseous. Sometimes they can have hallucinations, all of which must be really disturbing if it happens to you. So um, there's nothing really they can do about it because people are always going to discard them in the street like they discard cigarettes, sadly. It's just something to be aware of, I guess. So anyway, that is the close of our, our headlines for this week. But plea to you that we do love hearing dog stories so if you find something sweet you think oh they love that the dog podcast network then do send it to us you can get in touch with us via our website which is dogpodcastnetwork.com or tag us on social media we also want to thank our sponsor for today's episode of hound headlines everpup everpup is the ultimate daily dog supplement vitamins and minerals and prebiotics and probiotics and glucosamine and a host of all sorts of great things in one delicious powder that you can scoop onto your dog's food, whatever that food is, and uh, give it to your dog. 99% of dogs love the taste of it. And if you'd like to try a full month's supply of Everpup for only $8, you can try it when you join the Everpup Club. The special price is available if you go to everpupclub.com and then there's a coupon code for podcast listeners to get it for only $8. And that code is DPN as a Dog Podcast Network. Try ever pop the ultimate daily dog sub what's it like on french fries jim have you tried mm. it's livery <laughs> and and delicious and i have eaten a lot of it in my life because i've tried it and uh, it is all human grade ingredients 
and it's really, really good. Fair notice, I have an ownership interest in Everpup because I was one of the <laughs> founders of it. It is really, really, really good. So when he says he has tried it, he really has tried it. I have eaten my share of Everpup, <laughs> all human grade ingredients. Yum, yum. Made in the USA, but really for dogs. Amazing. Amazing. Thanks, Jim. Helps with those probiotics that we talked about earlier. Yes. Yes. Oh, so important. So on our episode, which drops on this podcast feed next Tuesday, we have an episode all about dog vaccination facts and all about how tighter testing can ensure that dogs are vaccinated when they might otherwise not be and also to ensure that they are not over vaccinated so it's a really interesting episode all about that and that will drop next tuesday be sure to check it out that's all for today i'm james jacobson in maui hawaii and i'm claire mansell in london england take care aloha Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.